Good morning, everyone. All right, let's uh, let's uh, let's start this morning by some worship. If you'd like uh, to stand, you're uh, very welcome to. All right, we're gonna we're gonna kick off here with a song called At Your Table. All the sinners and the saints, all the broken and the shame, all the ones who fell away, come to the table. All the lost and forgotten, all the weary and unwanted, all the ones who don't know grace, come to the table I'll lay down I'll let go of my heaviness I'll lay down I'll let go of my heaviness All the sinners and the saints All the broken and ashamed all the ones who fell away come to the table all the lost and forgotten all the weary and unwanted all the ones who don't know grace come to the table i'll lay down i'll let go a chance to share um, how we've seen God in our lives this past week.
all throughout my history. Faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms made way for spring. In every season where I am standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see the promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Let's sing this together. If you see it, sing again. I see the evidence. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see the promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Help me remember when I'm Fear may come, fear will leave. You lead my heart to victory. You are my strength when always will be. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see. Fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. I see the evidence. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is endless, all my sin rolled away, because of you, oh Jesus, see the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is endless, sin washed away, because of you, oh Jesus. of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see the promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. All right, you may sit. Thank you. Thank you, Emad. That was great. Um, good morning, church. Good morning. Lively today. Yay. It's warm out. Um, my name is Maddie Marshall, and I um, get the privilege of leading our testimony time. So this is the time in the service where we get to share exactly what that song was about. So that's really cool, um, how God's goodness and evidence of his goodness and faithfulness 
has been um, seen and witnessed in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So um, for those on Zoom, you can write your name in the chat if you'd like to share and we'll spotlight you. For those here, you can raise your hand. I'll bring you the mic and you can share. And this is a great way to encourage one another this morning. So who would like to share? Good morning, I'm Sam. Um, I wanted to share that over Lent, I used the um, calendar questions that Genesis put out. I don't know if anybody else signed up for them or saw them, um, but I just wanted to share my experience with them. So normally I don't like do anything super special for Lent, like give something up or anything like that. But this year I decided with those questions to set myself a goal of daily journaling slash prayer. Um, and it was just super quick like five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever I could get um, at the end of the day away from the kids. <laughs> um, but just some of my takeaways, um, it really helped me to have a small time each day that was just for me, a quiet time to reflect and pray, which was really helpful. Um, it often prompted me towards more positive thoughts or focusing more on what I was grateful for that day rather than any negatives or stressors that happened that day. And I felt that the daily prayers that were included with each one, um, it was nice because I didn't have to think of what to pray, especially at the end of a long day. And it started to get me into more of an intentional habit of praying, which I have a goal now to try to continue. Um, and my kind of gr grounding verse that I used was um, Psalms 37, 24. Though I stumble, I will never fall for the Lord holds me by the hand. So I just thought those were really helpful and I just wanted to share. So thank you. Amen. Thank you. So encouraging. Yeah, who else? Hi, Maddie. Hi. Uh, I have a praise report. My dad uh, fell down and had a heart attack this earlier in the week and uh, his wife got him into the car into the hospital and got him to the paddles in time and started him back up and they put a uh, pacemaker in him and he's going to recover and probably be back to normal in just a couple of days. So praise God. Praise God. Thanks for sharing that. Anyone else? Awesome. Couple, I'm going to go here first and then I'll come over there. Morning, church. I'm Jason. Um, last couple weeks, I've had a really rough time. I felt like my cup was running over and I wouldn't be able to do it, and I just kept putting it in God's hands. My uh, uncle had ended up in the hospital. We thought that he was going to pass. Kept asking everybody to pray for him, and he had a miraculous turnaround and ended up at physical rehab. On top of that, my wife, we thought she had cancer. We just got the results back this week, and thank God it's just a benign tumor. And then, to test me even more, my son got in a motorcycle accident on Easter. Thankfully, all he did was bang up his knees and mess his hand up real well. He had the surgery on Friday, that went well, but again, I've been putting everything in God's hands and he's been looking out for us. Yeah. 
Hi, I'm Jill, and um, for those of you who have heard, I'm, I, God's had me on a little bit of a writing journey this past year, um, just through writing the Bible study in the fall and just taking the steps where he's shown me what to do. And I got advertised this writing conference at the end of the month, and it seemed like a good opportunity of things to learn of the next steps that I want to take and but it was like two hundred dollars for a day and i was like i don't know if i'm here yet i don't know if i should go so i prayed that if uh god would provide some extra money that i would then then i would go so the next week i got a text from someone i did alterations for like nine years ago and <laughs> she wanted to know if i still did them and i said like in the right circumstances and they were so i was like is this something i don't know um and then another bride that i had did alterations for like seven years ago uh to ask if i still did them and i was like okay like i didn't exactly want to have to work for it but <laughs> okay <laughs> so um, and then another like volunteer at Humble Design at like, I had given her my card and she's like, oh, you do alterations. I'm like, not really anymore, but, um, so I uh, maybe have something to do with her. And so I'm like thinking like, this might like really be the thing. And, uh, I went to Tuesday morning coffee morning at the beginning of the month and I had to leave early and Manya had asked if there was anything they could pray for me for so i said well there's this writing conference and she's like oh that reminds me you said you would do alterations for my daughter <laughs> like right okay like i think i think i should probably go and then that afternoon um craig texted me and he's like can you do five pairs of shorts for this guy at work and i was like okay i'm going like <laughs> So um, just like God's faithfulness in showing me, like even when I'm like, can you prove it? Like, he's like, okay, yes. That's awesome. I just love how God prompted other people's hearts to be like, oh, I'm gonna reach out to you. So cool. Anyone else? Oh. Eman, thanks for doing that song. I needed to, to hear that one of the, evidence of God's goodness. Uh, my wife's been on a journey for breathing, you know, and, and nothing has seemed to help per se. Um, but we've been waiting to get in with uh, an asthma and allergy specialist. And, and that happened like a month ago. And then they're like, okay, we got this medicine that's fairly new in 2021. It's a biometric medicine that helps to regenerate lungs, lung work and stuff. And, um, and so it's just kind of cool to know that there's people doing really, really good work trying to uh, help people who are hurting and who are hurting bad with uncontrolled breathing issues um, and this is one that's recent so i was grateful for that but it's also one of those drugs that has a 900 dollars copay every month <laughs> you know it's like really really expensive and then uh, but you can apply for um, assistance and so she applied we got assistance and I'm like okay yeah we've cut the copayment down to zero so you can take this drug, right, that could potentially really help you. So last uh, Thursday, she got our first shot and didn't have allergic reaction to it. And so we're like, all right, Lord, may it be, may this breathe, bring some kind of renewal 
um, some kind of that. So it was just sort of evidence of God's goodness at, at every way, continuing to hope and trust in God's provision, but seeing it as Imad, you encouraged us in that song to remember evidence of God's goodness. So I wanted to share it. Thank you, Bo. Any others? This has been super encouraging. I'll share one last one. Um, some of you guys know we work with college students and um, you know, this school year is coming to an end. And so it feels like, oh, we're just gonna coast and like love on our students and say goodbye and see you next year. And um, this past week, um, we had like three new girls come out and God was like totally preparing their hearts. One of them um, was like trusted Christ with two of our other students um, and just so cool to see somebody so eager. And another student was um, an Indian student from Kerala and she had been like praying for community and walked by one of our meetings and came. So just cool to see like, especially when you're like, where's God at work? Like seeing him like drawing people to himself, especially I know maybe some of you have um, people who are not yet believers in your life. And so when you see God prompting and bringing people to himself and bringing them closer, it's always such an encouragement for me. So we're seeing that and it's just, really encouraging. So that's my testimony. Cool. Any others? Great. Okay. Well, Jesus, thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for watching out for, um, yeah, people in dark times with health and, um, yeah, emergency circumstances for prompting people for your provision, for your goodness. Um, thank you that you are at work and thank you for the encouragement. Um, in the testimony of the saints this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, this next song is called I Surrender All. And I had, uh, well, listened to it a lot. It's popular. It's, uh, you know, um, but never really, but didn't like it. It, sound, it sounded like uh, defeat or, you know, losing something. Or, um, we're failing, um, and but got a nice melody, so I was you know playing it recently and saw it in a in a different way. I I thought I'd share um, in a way that was quite opposite. Um, that surrendering all, you know, say I surrender all um, to Jesus. Um, seeing it on the side of I, I surrender my. Uh, anxiety and pain and uh, but also the ways maybe things I pursue um, that are not good I surrender my sin and and that's probably the way it was written and the way it was intended so um, it reminded me when when Jesus said follow me to, to a disciple or someone and they kind of decided they're not gonna go this way. I'm going to go towards Jesus. I'm going to drop it, drop what I was, what I had, and I'm going to orient myself this way. So um, that's what I, how I see it now. So um, may, may we, may, may God help us do that to surrender to him. All right. All to Jesus I surrender all to him i freely give i will ever love and trust him in his 
His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. All. To Jesus I surrender, make me Savior, holy thine. May the Holy Spirit fill me, may I know thy power divine. I surrender all, I surrender all to thee my blessed savior i surrender all i surrender all i surrender all all to thee my blessed savior I surrender all. All right, you guys can have a seat. Thanks, Emad. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jerry Gaskell, and uh, I'd like to welcome you to Genesis. Uh, we're so glad that you're here this morning, both in person and online. Please take a moment to let us know that you're here by filling out either the digital connection card on our website or the physical green card that looks like this that's in your pew. If you're new to Genesis, you can text new to Genesis, all one word, to 94000, new to Genesis to 94000. You can place the physical green card in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. And this is where you can also place your offering if you've brought it with you today. Uh, thank you to everyone who continues to give online or through text. Dan has an announcement for us this morning. Real quick before I do the rest. This is an announcement for perhaps one family here alone. Um, I've uh, spent a lot of time in Ukraine over the years, and uh, there's a couple, young couple from Ukraine who uh, have been displaced and are um, have got all the paperwork done uh, for them to come to the U.S. Uh, she's looking to do an advanced degree, I think a doctorate in counseling or something like that. But uh, she's also pregnant uh, with her first baby. Uh, her husband uh, is a tech guy, and he does his work uh, anywhere in the world, basically. But uh, they're going to need a place to stay for I don't know how long. And so if somebody's got room and willing to either uh, have somebody share living space with them or an apartment that they control, whatever, uh, please see me. Uh, about it. They're Christians. They're amazing folks, uh, but uh, they're one of those uh, uh, parts of the conflict that is, uh, you know, just ravaging so many lives. And so this is an opportunity perhaps for somebody to help. Thanks, Dan.
Uh, Joy Thrift, a Christian resale store in Hamtramck, is looking for donations of goods like home goods and clothing, I believe. Um, we will be holding a donation drive here at Genesis on May 21st, so mark your calendars for that day. As you do your spring cleaning, uh, collect the items that you're getting rid of and uh, save them for that day. You can look for more details in the weekly e-blast email for what items that they will be collecting. Our daycare, Olive Branch, heard some screaming there. <laughs> That's not the daycare, but <laughs> it's where the daycare is. <laughs> um, they're having their annual flower sale. The flowers are really great from the place that we order them from. There are order forms in the lobby. There was a table. If you saw it on your way in on your left had to check there sorry <laughs> um, they're collecting order forms through may 3rd and then their delivery will be on may 13th if you have questions you can call or email jess kennedy who is the director of the olive branch daycare with any any of the questions you have lastly we are having an equipping weekend next weekend Wait, no, just kidding. It's not next weekend. I don't know the day, what day it is. <laughs> On May 6th, May 5th through the 7th, I guess, is the weekend. But Alex and Hannah Absalom uh, will be joining us for that weekend. Saturday morning, which is the 6th, uh, from 9 to 12, we will, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., we'll learn how to be more deliberate with words of encouragement for others. We long to be people who bring good news and blessings when we open our mouths. And so uh, this equipping will be great. Bo has uh, told me how great they are. He knows them personally. I do not, but uh, he said they're super great people, uh, very faithful. And so on that Saturday morning, please plan to join us. Childcare will be provided for the training on Saturday morning. And you can RSVP through the link that's in the weekly eBlast email, through uh, the link that will be sent to you via text, or you can put it on the green card or the digital connection card on the website. And then Saturday evening on May 6th, the same day, from seven to nine, we will be offering a time with Alex and Hannah uh, for those who want to learn more about the naturally supernatural in our neighborhoods and that this equipping time will happen in a home and all are invited. So the location for that is still to be determined, but mark your calendars and please plan to join us for both of those times. And now I'd like to release the middle school students and for those that are staying in here, turn to your neighbor and say hello. Thank you.
Good morning. Welcome again. Great to be with you this morning. I'm Bo, one of the pastors here. Welcome if you're joining us for the first time. Welcome to those online participating in that way. Love that you're with us. I want to jump into the teaching. We have a rhythm, a pattern of how we gather and what we do. And typically, the way that pattern goes is the second Sunday, which was last Sunday. We call that a discussion Sunday. So we set up some context. And then we gather in just pockets of people. And we, we say, let's all of us get our hands and our minds on this concept and, and teach each other and learn from each other and fully participate with discussion. And so typically that happens on the second Sunday. Last Sunday was Easter, and we felt like, oh, that's not the Sunday to do that. So we're actually going to make discussion Sunday today. So the service is still the same length, hypothetically, and, uh, but we want to create time for you to, to sit in a pocket and just to listen and observe and share your thoughts and your experiences. Experience is learning. That's what learning is. There's, there's information for sure, but experience is learning. And you've all had rich experiences. And Ephesians say that we grow by the help of each other. And you may not think that you're one to produce all that in each other, but you are. Your experiences, your life, your thoughts benefit us all. This is the way the body was made. And so we create a little context. You don't have to share, um, but we just think it's a beautiful time. There's a facilitator who will lead that, but I want to create some room for us to, to engage these concepts and stories around the person of Jesus and have time to do that this morning. So we're in a Sunday out of Easter. If, you, if you're familiar with a church calendar of sorts, there is Lent that leads up to Easter. And then after Easter, they begin counting again. And Lent, you know, we're counting days and counting Sundays leading up to the full celebration. But each one of those Sundays of Lent are celebration Sundays. But after that, we're leading up again to this, this marking moment of Pentecost which is in Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit's being poured out. Now, the Spirit was released upon the, as the Spirit was released out, and we're going to see that today in this reading. But we're marking this birth of the church, this birth of the people and the children of God, which is going to show up in today's reading. So, so glad that you're here. Let me, let me pray um, as we, um, we're going to be looking at this ancient text, but we know it's the Spirit who is the teacher. This was the gift. And so, may we be open to the teacher this morning. And so, Father, would you open our eyes to the beauty of your revelation by the gift of your advocate, your counselor, and your teacher, would you guide us? And you know how to do that with each one of us and through each one of us, through the thoughts and concepts and experiences and through the inspired words that were handed down to us. So we consent. We consent to your voice, we consent to your spirit, we consent to your love. And we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the, the, the storyline, we're picking up exactly where we left off last week. 
and we, we were following the Revised Common Lectionary currently. And so last week we saw Mary Magdalene, who on the first day of the week, the Sunday, witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus shows himself to her, and then she runs and tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And this is where the story picks up. This is the day of the resurrection, that first Sunday. And so that Sunday evening, this is in John 20. Verse 19, the, the words will be on the screen behind me. If you want to open up your phone or a Bible or any tool that you have, feel free to. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and on the side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my finger in them, and place my hand in the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were again together, or were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. This is the book of John it's referencing here. But these are written, these stories in the book of John were written so that you may continue or that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So again, this is a resurrection passage of Jesus being raised from the dead and revealing himself to others. Uh, there's some continuity to the story and there's some discontinuity. The continuity is, is that, so here's Jesus who's raised from the dead, and all of a sudden he's just visibly appearing in locked rooms. Sort of um, spirit-like. But it lacks continuity because then he's like, but you can touch me, here's my wounds. A physical body there among them. But Jesus shows himself to them, reveals himself to them. They, upon seeing Jesus, had the same response that Mary did. I have seen the Lord. They didn't believe Mary, and Thomas doesn't believe them. No one's different here. But what I love about this story is this first word of Jesus. Peace be with you. And not only once, but again and again, he says this word of peace, and then he comes closer to them and shows them his wounds and his hands, and he says it again. Peace. Shalom be with you. And, and yes, this is a greeting. If you go to common day in the Middle East world, this is the greeting they give. Shalom halakum. Peace be with you. And also with you. But is Jesus saying something more? Is he offering his peace? Now, these doors were locked. 
Now, they're locked because they're afraid, because two days before this, their rabbi, their master, whom they were disciples to, they had asked, can we be at your right hand and your left hand? They just saw their Lord, their master, their rabbi murdered. And with a scheme, with a plot by the religious leaders and the powerful leaders, and they're uncertain, hey, um, are, are we next? I mean, we were all following around with them. So they're afraid. And they have legitimate reason to be afraid. They just witnessed a lynching. They just just witnessed something, this atrocity. And they were with him. And they're afraid. They're terrified. So they lock the doors. And here's Jesus. Peace be with you. When Jesus was with them and trying to let them know, trying to tell them what was going to take place so they would believe. In John 14, just days before this, moments before this, maybe at some time before this moment, when he was still with me, he says, I'm speaking this with you while I'm still with you. But the advocate, he's going to talk about this promise of the Spirit, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. My shalom, my wellness, my well-being. I give this to you, and I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus gives them their peace, gives them his peace, and he says, I don't give as the world gives. When the world gives something, it, 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 it has limits, It runs out, and it's good for a season, and then it fails, or it spoils, or it fades. But what Jesus gives doesn't. He doesn't give as the world because I'm going to give you my peace. Don't be afraid. And I love this word. And I think it's a timely one, and I think it's one that's for all of us. In the midst of true things that make us afraid, in the midst of all of these things happening in our world that seem to be shouting, you're in trouble, there's not enough, you're alone, no one has your back. And yet, here is this whisper or this shout from God, I give you my peace, my well-being. I pray that we'll be able to hear that first word from the risen Jesus for us today. This story... Um, has an overarching arc to it, and I'll get to it here in a minute, but I want to point out a couple, th- one more thing before I do. I find it really interesting in this one is that uh, Thomas is referenced. And so Thomas isn't there, all the other disciples are there. Jesus shows him his hands and his wounds. They see him, they believe. Thomas shows up a little bit later, who knows when. They try to share it with him, and he's like, unless I see him, I'm going to believe. They said, we've seen the Lord. Now, Thomas isn't responding any differently than any of the other disciples here. He does get a bit weird when he says, you know what? I'm going to need to stick my hand in his hand, and I'm going to need to stick my hand in his side. So yeah, he gets weird there, a little bit extreme. But before this, it's nothing different. And we all get a little bit weird in this way. Uh, even this week, I was hanging out with Manya, who's with our kids, and she was like, hey, um, does your stomach get a little bit queasy? Because I want to show you this picture. 
If anyone ever starts a sentence that way, you just say, hey, I'm good, no thanks. I'm good. It's almost like someone saying, do you want to smell my finger? The answer is always no. <laughs> and so, because she's like, oh, my mom, you know, she, she, she fell and her knee blistered up and it got blisters on it. And it was just really kind of crazy. Do you want to see this? And I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> it's like in the same way that somebody says something like, hey, I don't believe in gossip, but you're like, hey, we're good. You don't need to say anything more. Please stop talking. If somebody says, I'm not a racist, but just say, shut up. We don't need to hear it. No. So yeah, he gets weird. We all get weird. But he's not doing anything different than any of the other disciples. He's just saying, unless I see it, I won't believe it. He's like, I need to know that the crucified one is the risen one. That's what he's saying. I want to know. This isn't like I need proof. But I want to know that the crucified one is the risen one. And eight days later, beautifully so, Jesus shows up lovingly, beautifully. And he points to his hands and his wounds. He did the same thing to the other 10 that were in the room after Mary had told them, I've seen the Lord. But he just says, do you want to stick your hand here? Here, put your finger here. Touch here. And Thomas doesn't. Now, for those of you who have been in the church, what synonym when we talk about Thomas, is now used to describe Thomas. Doubting Thomas. So when we talk about Thomas, doubting Thomas is the name that's thrown upon him. Why is that? Now, yeah, he doubts, but he doesn't doubt anymore. I want to call him doubting Peter and doubting John and doubting all of them. They all doubted. There wasn't just one of them that doubted. They all doubted. But not only this, what Thomas says next is one of the only statements like this in the entire Bible. Upon seeing Jesus, he says this, this confession that is different than any other. My Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. Now now you get when, for those of you who come to church and we have been, we've been, we've been taught, we've been told, Jesus is God. Like that's when like, we didn't have to make a jump there. We didn't have to make a leap. When you show up to a place like this, we're worshiping Jesus and say, Jesus is God, the exact representation of God. You want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. But they didn't have that. When they heard Messiah, when they heard Son of Man, that wasn't God. And so here is Thomas upon seeing the crucified one as the resurrected one, this confession my Lord, my master, and my God. Thomas is not doubting Thomas. He's confessing Thomas. He's confessing Jesus is Lord. And yes, Jesus throws out this blessing and saying, hey, don't be be trustless, don't be faithless, but believe. And how blessed are all others who are not going to get the chance to see in a locked room, the wounds and the person of Jesus showing up, but yet Jesus is still revealing himself again and again and again over time and space. Okay, so the significance of this story, what I think is so significant about this whole arching story of Jesus showing himself connects to the bigger arc of the story, what's happening with Jesus. 
And John tells it a little bit differently than the other gospels, the other writers. And John begins his story not with telling a birth story of Jesus, but he begins to tell the story of how Jesus wants to birth something else, that God has a plan to birth something. And it's not about the incarnation, but it's here in John 1, it says this, but yet to all who did receive him, this is the word made flesh, this is the one who had come, to those who believed in his name, who trusted, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. John begins this writing of talking about a people born of God. This, this kind of birth that's going to take place. This arc of the story of God pulling children to himself and making them his. That we could participate and be with God and one with God. Early on in that story, it goes on that as Jesus was even meeting with one of the teachers, he tells them, hey, you've got to be born again. And that teacher's like, well, how can you get back into the womb? How can, you, how, can you, how can something that has already been created be recreated? It can't. And Jesus is like, oh, no, yeah, you don't, you don't know anything, but you must be born of the Spirit and the water. There, there has to be a birth that's going to take place that God is wanting to birth. And uh, Father John Baer, who's a British Greek Orthodox priest that I'm, I'm loving learning from, uh, and I was listening to him describe this moment, and he says, this is a story of a birth, because it's the arc of the story of Jesus, that God is wanting to give birth to a people, the body of Christ, his church. And this is what we're seeing happen in John 20. And it begins with a sealed room. What's so interesting, in the, and, and these are things that you're, you're looking for, these patterns and these illusions and these storylines, and the storyline of, of John, when he talks about this locked room, he doesn't even call it a house. He just says they're in a locked room. They're sealed up in a locked place with no one to get in and out, like a womb. And what happens? Jesus shows up into them. What happened when Mary, when, when the spirit, the angel showed up to Mary and she said, how will I, how will I produce an heir? How will I give birth to something since I haven't had relation with a man? She said, oh, the Holy Spirit is going to pour, pour itself upon you. And that's how your sealed womb will give birth. So how are the people of God going to be birthed? The children of God born from above Oh, there's this sealed room, and Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. Right? You're, going to, you're going to be born out. You're going out. There's a role for you to play in this world as my birth was being sent. You're going to be these sent ones. So as the Father had sent me, you're going to be sent. This is the great commission of John. Do you want more specificity about what that Great Commission looks like? Go to John 13, when Jesus says, here's the command I give you, love people as I have loved you. And what did that love look like? Well, the greatest demonstration that love looks like the cross. Sacrificial love, voluntary, sacrificial love, laying down your life. So when Jesus says, 
pick up your cross and follow me, he's not being literal here about go get yourself a big wooden cross and walk downtown. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's an arc of your life that will be voluntarily self-giving in the same way that Jesus gave himself voluntarily. As the Father sent me to be an expression of his love to this world, I'm going to send you to be an expression of God's love in this world. As the Father sent me, I send you, and then he breathes on them. He breathes, receive the Holy Spirit. This is an allusion back to Genesis 2, the birth story of all creation. The first day of the week is where Jesus says he finds himself here, this new creation being born out. He breathes on them and says, receive the Spirit of God. This is what you need, this new creation born of the Spirit. Here, go and forgive. And he sends him with this message, as you forgive people, they will be forgiven. And as you withhold forgiveness, they will not be forgiven. Go. And he sends them out. This is a birth story of the church being sent out. The ark of this, a God shaping a people who can participate in his life. And what does that life look like? Voluntary, self-giving love for others. This beautiful expression of living. That's what discipleship is. Like sometimes when we hear the word discipleship, we think it's these religious jobs and tasks and duties, but it's all leading to this expression of overflowing love towards one another. What's the great commands of God? Love God, and if you want to know what loving God looks like, love your neighbor, your brother, your sister, your enemy, and everyone. This is the ark, and you need the Spirit of God to birth you into this life as children of God, participating in the grand schemes and the grand plans of this world for the hands and the feet of Jesus to be birthed out. This is a birth story. It's not the birth of Christianity. It's the birth of the church. It's our birth story of being included in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's God's love for us. It's beautiful. This is the ark. This is good news. You are included. You are pulled into the uncreated one and able to participate in his life. And how do you do that? Through death and resurrection. Through participation in baptism, his death and resurrection. Through your own death and resurrection of our own saying, oh, we will follow you in sacrificial, self-giving love voluntarily to love others in your name. Now, I want to take one second, and then I want to share a story of what this could look like, and I'm going to silence my phone. So Jesus is talking about this forgiveness and retaining. This sounds pretty weird. Who's up for doing this? Who, who wants this job description being like, hey, I want to send you out. If you forgive them, they're forgiven. If you retained, it's retained. Woo! Yeah, right? I mean, it's like, wow. Uh, but we need the spirit for this. There's, there's a couple different ways, and, and, and we can wrestle with this. We can sit with this. We can say, what does Jesus mean? I, I've, so I love how Eugene Peterson, he, he translated a, a verse in the Bible trying to help he was a pastor, but also a theologian attempting to help his church understand the words of Jesus and to be able to worship and to be able to dig into it. And in the message version of this, he says, if you forgive 
their sins, they're forgiven. But, but if you don't, what will you do with that? If you don't, if, they, if you don't forgive them, what are you going to do with that, that sin? If you're retain, like, and he's kind of like, oh, no, you don't want to hold on to that. That's how he takes that, that passage. He's like, oh, forgive them. Let's, let's look at the life of Jesus and what Jesus did in the proclamation of forgiveness of sins. He went around with that authority and was like, to people who are being healed, you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. When he was on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's a declaration of forgiveness. Now, another way to take this would be that Jesus is sending them out with this proclamation of the message that Jesus is the light of the world who brings forgiveness who brings forgiveness of sins. And there was only one time, or at least there might be, but there was one specific reference in the book of John where Jesus retains sins. And it's in John chapter 9, and it's with the religious people. And the religious people were, uh, because Jesus heals a blind person on the Sabbath. And they're really troubled by that sign. Here's the one who is causing the blind to see. And the religious leaders are like, we... They're, they are unwilling to receive the life. They're unwilling to recognize what is taking place in the person of Jesus in front of them. So they berate the blind man and his family. They berate Jesus and say, Jesus is born in sin because he's healing on the Sabbath and he's breaking the law. We say, we know that you're in sin, blind person, because you were born completely into sin. Your family's in sin, and so we know this. And at the end, Jesus calls them blind, and it says, for this judgment you are held you're in your sins because you say that you see you say that you are knowing you say that you see it all and so you're still in your sin because you're blind but jesus doesn't retain anyone else he forgives forgives and he pours out forgiveness on an individual level we are invited to forgive and to forgive, that doesn't mean that that process may not take us a lifetime in certain situations. And great healing will need to take place or some of the atrocities of life. Jesus' harsh words to those who have sinned against others and have hurt people by the wake of their sin, he says this, it had been better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown yourself into the sea than to cause one of my little ones to stumble. You speak those words over people who hurt other people in their sin. It'd been better for you than to cause that kind of harm and trauma to the ones you love. May we hear Jesus' strong words towards those who have caused great harm and trauma and whose sin has disrupted so much peace and harmony in the lives of so many people. But yet, there is this belief of restoration and healness and, whole, and wholeness that is coming through Jesus and says that we are not stuck in those places and that somehow what is broken can be found again, what has been destroyed can be rebirthed over time on a process, but there is forgiveness and there is healing and there is restoration that can take place. May God extend us mercy as we walk this journey of understanding these words and to be people who know what it is to be born as the people who are born 
as the children of God, the church. And so I, 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 want, I want to do one story that I want to share. So Mark, would you come up here? Because I think uh, I want Mark to share this story. It is an anecdote. It's one story of what this looks like. I think this is uh, one of our mottos here. We, we actually say it's one of the uniques. We have a couple of things that we say that makes us a unique, a unique people. And the uniqueness for us, one of them is that we say our heroes are among us. Everyday people living like Jesus. No celebrities, no fancy nothing, no masterminds, nobody carrying all the answers. Our heroes are among us. This is you. We're all included in this. Everyday people living like Jesus, children of God, bearing the fruit of the Spirit of God and living that out as we all get to see it in the beauty of it. And we marvel in God's good, recreating work in all of us. So I've invited Mark because I heard a story, and I shared a portion of it with you a, few, a number of weeks ago. But I invited Mark to do it again because I think, I think this is what it looks like. Like, what does it look like to be born from above, and what is the fruit of that? Because that's what Jesus is pointing to. I'm sending you, go, forgive. Let him loose. And so, um, Mark, um, if there's a little bit of context, would you start us the story? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a story of his father's death that just happened. So would you, would you sort of um, bring the people into the details of um, this last year with your father? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me uh, share this story. Uh, I'm learning in my life lately a lot more than I think I used to that doing, knowing and doing are different things. And then through the Psalms, for instance, I was reading about give, like praise your name in a congregation. And then at one point, Bo had mentioned, asked, like, hey, are you ready to share? Like, oh, I don't know yet. And then instantly that, <laughs> that passage, like, oh, wait, oh, I could have praised God for what he is doing in the congregation, and we are the congregation here. So that was exciting for, uh, in a small way to just have that chance to, to, to tell you what God has done and is doing. Now, I'm going to open four drawers, if, that, if you don't mind, and then I promise to shut them all, otherwise I'll be <laughs> all over the place. I can be incoherent, uh, but hopefully you'll keep me on task too. Anyway, my, story, my, my own hero, you mentioned heroes, is my grandfather uh, on my mom's side. He's the reason I became a history teacher. And during World War II, he fought in the Dutch resistance. Mind you, now you think, ooh, this warrior, but he was like a 17-year-old punk, which makes me laugh, because I have younger kids and I teach sophomores and juniors, but he did things. He had a strong sense of right and wrong. Long story short, he was, uh, at one point, he was, must have been 18 and a half, 19. Uh, among, Along with some friends, he ambushed a transport because the Dutch fascist police had arrested a bunch of people in hiding uh, at, my, at his mother-in-law's house. They were always hiding at least nine uh, Dutch Jewish people. They had been uh, found and off to the camps, and then my grandfather and three other friends were able to, to ambush the transport, uh, set them free, found new hiding places. And that's how they survived. And I'd always said, like, wow, like, would I do that? Like, in the perfect world, I think I would be that person too. Like, yeah, hey, I'm in the resistance. Uh, in actuality, statistically, we know not many people would have. Uh, I do know whenever I got in trouble, my mom always yelled at me, like, you're just as impulsive as your grandpa. Like, and I thought it was a cool thing. Like, oh, maybe I would do impulsive, ultimately good things. <laughs> 
so fast forward, uh, he was honored by the State of Israel with the Yad Vashem. Like in the Jewish tradition, he, he became a righteous Gentile, because uh, again, for putting out his life on the line to save Jewish people uh, during, from, from death, basically. Uh, and I met the people that he saved uh, in 2013, and, and they thanked me as if I had uh, done any of that. But no, my, my grandfather simply is the reason I became a history teacher and a believer. He became a believer later in life, uh, had a big impact on me, and I became a believer as a senior in high school. Now, my own father, oh, there he is, uh, on the bike there, he, he was 79, and he was, last November, he was hit by a car uh, driven by two young, young women, like the... I think they were like 22, 23. Uh, oh, that's an interesting connection. Here's my rabbit trail. We're actually on, en route to see, visit a secret village in the, in the forest uh, that, the, that during the war had been hiding 200 people, Jewish people. And my, my, the same grandpa I told you about, he was part of bringing food and those things. Mm -hmm. So biking there. Mm -hmm. All of this, and this is where I will get to the point. Uh, I, I, the, the, the fact that God is my father, uh, becomes so clear in those moments of, wow, I could not have orchestrated or arranged any of this myself. Because of course, it was always hard having my life in America, my family in the Netherlands, but it was beautiful moments all the same. Whenever I, was, I did see them, uh, it was just warmth and, and good quality time together. Last August, this very last August, a couple of days before the school year starts, I had this strange sense of, you got to go, you got to see your dad, you got to see your dad. So I, I call it a prompting. Now I know it was more than just a prompting. Was it God, the Holy Spirit telling me, you want to go see your dad? Uh, and again, I don't have to over-spiritualize it. I, I know you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just know, it clicks, like Manya, there she stands. Uh, she did not object <laughs> that I was abandoning her again for 10 days on a trip. Uh, which I tend to do, so thank you, Manya, for, at times. But no, she, she, she agreed, like, you need to see your dad. Magnificent 10 days. Uh, and I felt, it just felt rich. And then, uh, yeah, last no early November, my sister calls me, my four-year-older sister, Anushka, and she couldn't even speak, like, she was so choked up, like, hey, Papa, Papa is dood, he's aangereden door an auto, like, he's, he's basically dead, and then she, she couldn't even get it out of, her mouth, like he's, he's dead, like he, a car hit him. Uh, oh, there we are, last August again. And took the plane, uh, was there for the funeral. Uh, but there was this incredible sense of peace. And it was still strange, of course. I, I, I saw my own father. I think that photo might be there as well, like look, looking at the open coffin. And it, and it looks peaceful, like he had, that might be the one, yeah, there. As if it was him, but it wasn't him. It was just a, a puppet of sorts. Uh, and, then, and the memories came back, like, wow. Like, all, like, I tried to imagine like, what, what he sounded like and what he felt would have be like. And it's, yeah, it, what came, overcame me was mostly this, the sense of, of peace again. That, um, and then the one thought instantly was, what about those girls, who those, those, those drivers of the vehicle? And my sister, I told her, like, should we reach out to them? And she instantly clicked with her. She became a believer later in life. Uh, 
I have a little bit of that to do with that, but it's, of course it's God. Uh, later in life, we both became believers, and then uh, my sister reached out to the after the funeral to the to the police authorities because initially it was treated like a like a crime scene, like did they speed? And we then through a police liaison person, we got in touch uh, with the two girls, Carmen and Kim, and about to be coming up, and then. A yeah. counseling person. I mean, there they are. That's so you have it blocked. Like the 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 girl with the, the orange shirt. She was the driver. Her name is Carmen, and her best friend uh, Kim was set on the set on the passenger side. And then we could just talk to them, and and, and they had they had been so fearful and afraid and anxious uh, to to meet my sister and myself, which was facilitated to happen uh, last month uh, on March March 16. And I met for my school, <laughs> you see me there with a, a not such a flattering look, uh, like through Microsoft Teams. And oh, they were so, they were so grateful. Like I, and I, I tried to break the ice and they had expected us to be extremely angry or, or bitter. And they, they, they were dreading uh, seeing my sister in the room and, and me via Microsoft Teams. Uh, but no, I, uh, my sister was very gracious, and, and I was literally able to tell them, uh, like, no, 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 we, there absolutely is no hard feeling. Uh, I'm at peace, my sister is at peace, and uh, Anuska, my sister, affirmed all of this. Uh, and I was able to truly say, like, you have your whole life uh, ahead of you, like, you're 20, 22, 23, because uh, they had not gone to work, uh, they had sleepless nights, just uh, just. They were wrecked by guilt because they, of course, what happened literally like on broad daylight. My dad was going across, they came off the exit, they just literally rammed him and, he, and they launched him into the grass. Uh, and he was dead literally before he hit the ground, apparently. But again, they had seen it all and, and they told me exactly what, what had happened. But, that, but it was just so, I felt that incredible, it felt empowering that I could say, like, no, no, like, please, like, not like a form like I hereby set you free. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like that, but it was just good enough that they understood like, wow. And then I think I totally flabbergasted them. I said, what, what else can I do for you? And they're like, oh, you're asking me, you're asking us for you can do for me. And like, yeah, like, please, please, please. Even if you did drive, even if you were speeding or like, I don't, we, I don't feel anything. And so did my, my, did ask my sister. Uh, and then the counselor was behind us. His name is Eric and he, he that was cool too like it's it's a non i don't think it's christian it's like it's actually called uh, mediation i wrote the name down Herstelpe Middling, uh like restoration restorative mm. mediation and the organization is called perspective and then last night after bo and i had talked on the phone so i looked at some of these photos and then it hit then i'm sure you have had that too that sometimes you have a little like laughing bubbly moment with god when he kind of makes something clear to you or you have the ha good one uh i think that that's the cool part of, of truly living with god as, as your father and he said like hey remember you always wanted to be like a grandpa uh, like setting people free and, I, and in my head, I had to be with a gun. <laughs> like, I had to be all cool. And he said, no, but you know what? You just, actually, thanks to both. Actually, I hadn't even dawned on me. Like, you literally set two people free. And Amanda Hines, she's here. The other day, she, she saw me in the parking lot, and she had heard the story. She said the same thing. Like, Do you realize you just 
set people free like from this this uh, this heavy chain almost and then I'm like, oh, and then I'm, I'm, I guess I'm slow. <laughs> it didn't even dawn on me. But then <laughs> last night, finally, after we talked, that God basically had that smiley moment, like, hey, because I, I saw an old photo, an old, old photo of myself. I had a chance mm -hmm. to see my grandfather's name, uh, like inscribed in a, on a wall in Jerusalem, like where all the, the, the righteous Gentiles are honored, uh, those who risk their lives to save Jews during World War II. And then I said, like, oh, I think I left a little message, like, oh, if, if I only could be like you someday, that would be awesome. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I was like, and, I, and in my mind, it wasn't brave, it wasn't exciting. Like, it was just meeting with these, with, with Carmen and Kim. But yeah, they, were, they left, like, as if a very heavy burden, I guess, had fallen just off them. Uh, and, and then we, we we're still in touch now, like, next time in the Netherlands, we want to meet. And I was able, like I said, to break the ice, like, oh, as long as you buy me apple pie, I'll show up. And then they thought it was fun. And it was just as if I had known them and my sister, too. Uh, so it was, a, it was a beautiful thing to just do that. That was finally, I'm hoping I'm closing all these drawers again. <laughs> like I started with my grandpa, ended it, like maybe God reminding me, well, not maybe, reminding me, maybe he became that person. Uh, that is the whole, I know, I forgot what I was going to say. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, hang on, go back. I have no idea. <laughs> I guess uh, I'm not supposed to say it then. Now let's not over spiritualize that either. I felt. <laughs> I think you closed every door that you or drawer that you opened, right? Yes. Like... Oh, that's what it, that's what it is, and and not an unflattering one. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Uh, on the one hand, it feels so special, and at the same time, in my daily life, I struggle with forgiving a colleague at work who uh, who's doing a lot less. So that, that's, that's kind of that's interesting, like, you can have these amazing moments, like, ooh, it's a sainthood, and then I'm like, oh, here we go again. I, I, I'm a jerk who cannot forgive someone else for tiny little things, and it bothers me, and then, like you said earlier, I, when I'm not setting people free, then I'm actually the one who has arguments in my head with that person, and oh, yeah, I, I know I was right, and blah, blah, blah. So that's still a the quick reminder, oh, you're, you're very human, unfortunately. Anyway, that, 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 that was it. Thank you, Draw Drawers closed. Awesome, awesome. And so, hold up. So, I love it. That, that story, it's not your story, right? It's Mark's. But it is a story of what, what could it look like for the children of God as they live in the world. And as he admitted, he's not a perfect example of this. But, 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 but he is a living example of this as a child of God and this life that we're invited to of voluntary sacrificial love is just that it's voluntary every day every moment of us leaning into that life it's not magic we're not roboted in it but we were pulled into the family and living out of it but I love the story because it was an example of living like Jesus and I love your connection that oh this is setting people free now, unlike your grandfather who did it with a gun, mm -hmm. right? You, uh, there was no violence involved in this, and we can wrestle with the Holocaust and all of that, right? Be like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Mm -hmm. Very much like Jesus who did it in his way of bringing peace. And Jesus' proclamation in Luke 2, his announcement is, I've come to set captives free. Setting people free. 
And that's what you modeled in that as Jesus living in you. So that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. So I think that's what it's meant to like, like it has tons of different expressions to big to small, some, you know, and of, of being birthed out as the people who'd say, Jesus' words, peace, I give you. I'm sending you as I was sent. Receive the Spirit and forgive. And so I want to give us just a few minutes together. And again, if there's conversation that can be had, um, the leaders will kind of know kind of like how to take it. We'll probably even just push for maybe 15 minutes of conversation um, with that to see, is there any sticky spots for you where you're being grabbed? And then you'll be released um, out of this together to be able to go when they're kind of done. So uh, facilitators, would you stand up and then we'll just have people gather around them. We're just gonna pull around them in a pew. So we've got Maddie up here in the front if somebody wants to jump over there. We've got Liv right here in the black in, in the front, but Julia in the black standing right there waving her hand. We've got Jill back right in there. Is anybody else? Oh, over here, Sam. Sam is over here in the front and I will take one too. I'm gonna jump in and over here with Mike. Mike, would you raise your hand because I'm going to come right right where you're sitting and I'm going to pop a group right over there. So here, uh, engage in the conversation. If you don't have time, you've got to go be blessed. Go, but we'd love to pull you into this to get your observations with just a couple questions that we want to ask. So jump into a group. We're going to take 15 minutes and then we'll send you out together.